Good evening, everybody. I'm Scott Stevens here with another perspective. If you just caught the weather show 45 minutes ago or so, we kind of gave you a little bit of a heads up about what I would like to talk about or have a discussion of because I think, believe, heck, I know this is a discussion that we need to have as a nation. It's just that important. And what I want to say here is that my belief is that we all want the same things. We all want the same things. We've got folks out there protesting, supporting, rallying different parties, different candidates. But I think when we peel all of that away, the colors and the labels and the letters, ultimately, we all want the same thing. And that's why we were able to accomplish a revolution 250, nearly 250 years ago is because we wanted the same thing. The Boston Tea Party was triggered because of a 2% tax. 2%. That was enough to get the Patriots. That was enough to get the revolution. That was enough to get the tax revolt going. 2%. Look at your paycheck, your page stubs now, and look at how much is being taken from you to support this system. We all want that liberty that our forefathers, our patriots fought for 200 plus years ago. We all want that back. And I know that there's a way that we can do it. And the opportunities are granted us every two and four years. And those are called elections. And that's why we have them. So that we can have a national discourse about those subjects, those topics, those issues that are important to us as individuals, as families, as nations, as companies, as human beings. And ultimately, that is what we all are. We are simply human beings having an experience, but we've created the structure, this need to identify with one side or another to the exclusions of friends and families and those we used to associate with, but now we can't because we get triggered or we're not, or we're too afraid to talk about these subjects. They're so charged. And so this is kind of what I want to broach today because for me, it's too important. This nation too great. The promise of what our forefathers created is too precious to let go of over silly things. From Alexander the Great, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by by a lion. And that's what elections are about. Who is to lead? Who and where is that vision around which people can rally? Where is that ideal? Where's that vision of the future that everyone, all of us can agree upon? So as I step back from the news flow in this past week, I question as to why this nation is suffering through such civil discord. As I pondered the question, I began to wonder just how real, how real are our perceived differences on national policy? Are we really so different from each other that we can no longer speak to one another? Is there truly no middle ground between us? Do we break or can we bend a little so that stronger Together, we can flourish again. Just how far apart are these two sides? And more than likely, there are more than two sides all vying. So how far, far apart are these two sides on education, on environmental issues, on climate change, on jobs and wages, corporations parading as a person, military interventionist policies, civil rights versus those rights that are now being and have been granted as far back as 1964. What about policing, corrupt policing, 
and the judiciary that follows the policing action. And there are so many more issues that are worthy of revolt, that are worthy of uprising, but yet we can't seem to bring these two sides together to simply have a civil discourse. We haven't even been able to have the two persons representing these two sides to talk to one another, and the election is less than 90 days away. Something is wrong with the system. We need elections to focus more on what we can accomplish together rather than how we can destroy the other side. Elections should be constructive and not destructive for the people, for the parties, and for all of us together. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., our democracy is broken because our campaign finance system, which is just a system of legalized bribery, which has allowed corporations and the very wealthy to control the election results. Would anybody disagree with that? All right. In 1947, Congress passed the 22nd Amendment to the Constitution, limiting the president to two terms. They said, quote, too much power for too long is a threat to our freedom. Is it not time for this same application of term limits to be applied to Congress? Probably so. It's considering Congress's approval rating for whatever that is worth is rarely above 20%, meaning one in five Americans would agree with the job the Congress is doing. If you had brand loyalty or brand uh, appreciation or brand support at 20%, they'd be out of business, way out of business. When the plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men living together in society, they create for themselves in the course of time a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. We can look back and see how the laws, the policing, the enforcement, whether it's by regulation or outright making things illegal, has sculpted the system that we presently have. And the system is never up for election. Just persons fronting the system, willing to front the system, are up for election. So we appear to have change on the outside, but inside the continuity goes on as the system sustains and supports itself. So what's wrong with us? Let's look at Norway. Elections are 74% government funded, 74%. And you can on your tax return, check that box and $3 goes to the election. Three bucks. That's it. Political advertising on TV and radio is banned. And voter turnout is 81%, ranked 15th highest in the world. Whereas in comparison, the United States U.S. elections are 80% funded by corporations and the super wealthy. Have you ever heard of political action committees? PACs. They're a disease. Much of this funded uh, funds going for negative TV and radio advertising and voter turnout is 48% ranked 120th out of 169 countries. It's apparent that we can do better. It's readily apparent, even when you look at other places in the world, even if you want to consider third world nations, they've got better systems, better ways to run elections than where what we, we have. All right, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Equality is about giving everybody an equal chance. Not that we are all the same, not that we are all identical, and it's not about giving everyone an equal result. It's about the opportunity 
And that's where we've fallen. That is what has been legislated away, uh, judicialized away, has been just literally bit by bit by bit that opportunity to thrive and to create, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an inventor, whether you're exceptional in a way that would disrupt the status quo, that's what they don't want to have happen. That's where our equality is taken, is that if these corporations can be people and someone of exceptional gifts comes along to disrupt that long-established corporation, the odds are grossly stacked against success. From Martin Luther King, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And this is where we need to assess when we watch so much media that is slanted, tilted, and has this darkness, maybe it's subtle and potentially it's just overt. It all exists in varying degrees. We have to be able to recognize it for what it is rather than being attached to the message that they're trying to, to tell. It's the tone of the message that's being delivered that really belies the truthfulness of what is there. Previous President Barack Obama, change will will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change we seek. To accept that statement is to accept a responsibility. A responsibility. And part of me is excited to see those people walking in the streets on what side, whether you're MAGA or Antifa or BLM, it doesn't matter. It's action. You've chosen to try to affect change. And if the waters are still on top, still on top, but yet there's turbulence and churning underneath, ultimately that turbulence will reach the surface and ultimately it will come to a boil. That's just the laws of nature. And so we see this boiling that's happening, and it will eventually come to the surface to where everyone must recognize it. And despite the protests, even in Chicago last night, not making the news, they're still happening. That energy has been thrown into the ethers. It has to be digested. From George Orwell and his landmark book, uh, 1984, The Masses Never Revolt of their own accord and they never revolt merely because they are oppressed indeed so long as they are not permitted to have standards of comparison they never even become aware that they're oppressed read that again without an example to compare your current situation to you would never know to change your situation he would never know. It's like you, the kids grow up in a family, and that family, that becomes the normal, the chaos, the pain, whatever is going on in that family unit. The friend goes out, goes to his, his friend's place, spends a weekend with the family, and that whole unit interacts in a different way, and it opens one's eyes that there is another way to live. And Americans are arrogant in a way in thinking that ours is the only way that we are the best in the top and we have been told that for decades through the media and the media is very selective in what it will let us see other examples of 
for us to draw that comparison to decide whether we would like to throw off the shackles or potentially move forward with something else. Comparison. 4% of all Americans are millionaires, but yet 51% of Congress members are also millionaires. And to be honest with you, I don't know how old this is. With as much money has flooded into the system into the last decade, this number could be 61%, it could be 66% of Congress members being millionaires because a million dollars is not even close to what it used to be worth. From Jesse Ventura, quite a guy. Do you ever see his show? I believe it was on the History Channel. To a word to the 1%. You control our world. You've poisoned the air we breathe, contaminated the water we drink, and copyrighted the food we eat. We fight your wars, die for your causes, and sacrifice our freedoms to protect you. You've liquidated our savings, destroyed our middle class, use our tax dollars to bail out your unending greed. We are slaves to your corporations, zombies to your airwaves, servants to your decadence. You've stolen our elections, assassinated our leaders, and abolished our basic rights as human beings. You own our property, shipped away our jobs, shredded our unions. You've profited off disasters, destabilized our currencies, and raised our cost of living. You've monopolized our freedom, stripped away our education, and have almost extinguished our flame. We are hit, we are bleeding, but we ain't got time to bleed. We will bring the giants to their knees, and you will witness our revolution. I don't know how much longer afterwards he kept his job because the empire has ways of silencing voices. And they'll talk the talk and talk us back from the edge, talk us back from taking action, talk us back from going to the streets, talk us back from talking, from speaking our voice, from exercising our rights. And King uh, Chief Joseph Nespierce, I'm tired of talk that comes to nothing. It makes my heart sick when I remember all the good words and all the broken promises. There has been too much talking by men who had no right to talk. It does not require many words to speak the truth. And Dwight D. Eisenhower, we love him or hate him, he gave us a very succinct warning as he left office about the military-industrial complex, but he also left out one word. The military industrial congressional complex. Congressional complex. If we can get that changed, if we could impose term limits, and it's not like we can do it to them, or maybe we can. Again, it's time for action. If a political party does not have its foundation in the determination to advance a cause that is right and is moral, then it is not a political party. It is merely a conspiracy to seize power. And in 2020, both sides would point the finger at the other and claim the statement is theirs. So John F. Kennedy, probably my favorite president. There's a, I just, I just have a thing for the man. I just, I just do. There is a, uh, it had to be what it had to be had to be, but he left us. He left us some treasures. Let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer, the right answer. Let us not seek to fix the blame for the past. Let us accept our own responsibility for the future. 
And this is where we are today as we draw closer and closer to another big election. Instead of blaming, we've got to look forward, not to take something away from another, but what we can build together, that we can together create something more than what we inherited. That is within our rights. That is within our possibility. That is a destiny if we so choose so. All right, Malcolm X, another, boy, the 60s must have been tumultuous, tumultuous, being born in the mid-60s. And then as history came along to look at these greats, the, the cusp of revolution that was almost happening, that was almost these, these brilliant souls, these bright lights sent to humanity to do this work for humanity. One by one by one, they were taken and great sadness followed. But then a new generation comes along, many more this time than just these few, with different tools to work, different tools to organize, different tools to engage, and the same truth to share, that we all have a right as human beings for freedom, for liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. From Malkin X, I'm for truth, no matter who tells it. I'm for justice, no matter who is it for or against. I'm a human being first and foremost, and as such, I'm for whoever and whatever benefits humanity as a whole. And if we could look back and strip away the red or the blue, the D or the R, and find the humanity in one another, in our situations, and it doesn't matter what scenario we're looking at, what wrong we are viewing, there are at least a million points of view to look at that scenario that is wrong. And some of those, it'll be, appear as right action. And when we can see this, we can see and include those others as being human beings just like yourself, then we're going to be able to find that common ground upon which we can build a future that we might actually be interested in going into. So the problem is not necessarily people being uneducated, the problem is that they are educated just enough to believe what they've been taught and not educated enough to question what they've been taught. So we're given facts, but we're not given the capacity, the capability to process the information that we've been taught. And there's a big, big difference. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, have seen a test an eighth grade test from, I think it's like 1910. Some smaller school district, if they had a school district uh, here in the States, and you look at this test to graduate middle school, to graduate eighth grade, and there's a big part of me that wants to say that half of our college graduates could not pass this eighth grade test. And this failure of education has happened inside one century. One century, five generations. And we've lost our reasoning, our, our rationing, our, our capability to think beyond a reaction, be that an emotional reaction or a reaction from new information coming in. It's really kind of concerning how we're going to move forward that way or through this degradation of the education system. And it is intentional. It is absolutely intentional. Television, so says Morgan Friedman, is the monster in your home. And it is called a program for a reason. 
Your television is nothing more than an electronic mind-altering device. It has been designed to psychologically change the ways you view reality. Not the way, but the ways. That is plural. So each and every each and every program, each and every bit of data coming in has a message with it. It has a purpose behind it. There's a reason why that message was then driven out. This is also something out that was driven out was from civics. We were not required to process, to learn, to understand the situation in which we live. Basic civics was a class that used to be required before you could graduate from high school. You were taught what was actually in the U.S. Constitution. And after all the student rebellions in the 60s, civics was banished from the student curriculum and was replaced with something called social studies. That's what I got, social studies. Here we live in a country that has a fabulous constitution and all those guarantees, a contract, a contract between the citizens and the government and nobody knows what's in it. And so if you don't know what your rights are and how you can stand up for them, and furthermore, if you don't know what's in the document, how can you care or then even be aware to know if someone is shredding those rights as we have the Patriot Act, as we have various NDAA uh, laws passed. It's just this creeping thing of one process, one legalese, one law built slowly upon another. All right, so you're supposed to be blind with patriotism. No, you are not supposed to be blind with patriotism. So blind that you cannot face reality. Wrong is wrong, no matter who does it or who says it. And this is where we go way back and talk about the lawyers codifying morality. What you can, what you can't do, what you should or shouldn't do. What is life? What isn't life? These lawyers don't know. And even those laws that are then passed, in many ways, should only be relevant for 10, 15 years because times simply evolve. What was immoral in the 1800s is perfectly acceptable today. And what is acceptable today may be immoral in 20 years. We don't know. But we have laws that will trap those who push the boundaries, who want change, who push for change in one way or another. The laws from the old are there to hold it back. And when you look at the quantity of laws that are in place, whether they're just commercial code, whether they're judicial code, whether they're civil code, there's a very, very small place left for you and I to be free. We need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice, not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. And this justice isn't looking back across time and throwing stones at what we see now was wrong. And it's only wrong because we've got a greater awareness. We've got a greater humility and a greater understanding of what we've gone through, what those people went through. We have that additional perspective of time that those folks in the 20s, in the 1820s, in the 1720s wouldn't yet have and would never have because their society wouldn't allow them that kind of expression. It just wasn't possible. So it's difficult to look at social justice today, yes, we can recognize inequities, but those were the lessons that brought us
to where we are today. Those lessons that happened 100 years ago were absolutely required so that we could be and have the opportunities that we have today. So we should be grateful for those sacrifices. And everyone, regardless whether there's a statue of you or not, you were written about or not, we all made sacrifices of one scale, one size, in one mission or another. We were all there and all participated in one degree. And we were all just doing the best we could. And now it's time to kind of move beyond the best and create this different ideal. Anthony Bourdain, what a guy. Maybe that's, maybe that's enlightenment enough to know that there is no final resting place of the mind, no moment of snug clarity. Perhaps wisdom is realizing how small I am, unwise, and how far I have yet to go. Something to think about. Undoubtedly, there's a final resting place, but that is a far, far stone's throw from here. All right, so these are something, uh, a quote I'd thrown up. And no one is equal to anyone else, never has been and never will be. Some achieve, some are lazy, some are driven to do great things, while others couldn't care less. We are individuals and that is our strength and our weakness. Both are true. And now we've got a situation where we have whites or extreme racists against other whites. And inside ourselves, we must have enough of a space that is large enough to allow others the freedom to live their lives, regardless of their appearance, regardless of their situation in life, regardless of who we think they are. Because I can promise you, you don't know who they are. It's kind of sad in it. it oh, let's, um, this was a, a comment about the Libertarian Party being dead. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Sad, isn't it? Because this party is where the vast majority of us will find commonality. What is sorely needed is inspired leadership with command of language and the ability to clearly lay out a vision for this country's still great future and potential. And this is what I believe. And a part of me knows, knows that we have this great future yet ahead of us. It absolutely exists. As Morgan Freeman said once again, self-control is a strength. Calmness is mastery. You have to get to a point where your mood doesn't shift based on the insignificant actions of someone else. Don't allow the others to control the direction of your life. Don't allow your emotions to overpower your intelligence. All right, this is something I, I, I've, I've found and I just believe it's too important because... We all have so much in common, and in so many ways, we are together. This was a man who spent some time in the service, and I, I just call this the battlefield. And the essay goes like this. I miss the battlefield, not the burning heat, not the ache of heavy armor or the cold darkness of hostile ground. I miss the clarity. We were fighting an enemy, though often vile, was completely clear on his cause and beliefs. They were willing to live hard and die hard for what they believed in, no matter how misguided. Most of all, I miss Americans. In a war between tribes, religions, sex, ideology, the enemy often churned, blended, twisted, and turned. But Americans were like rocks, Gibraltars in a storm, in the midst of the chaos. Americans were handholds on the cliff, bridges over the abyss of terrorism and treachery. The battlefield is the great crucible. On our battlefields, the one virtue that mattered was an American would stand fast and have your back. The bond and the lifeline in combat were other Americans. 
The Americans to your left and to your right had no hyphens. I scanned for NODs and Kevlars, not faces or skin. In a street or alley, on the side of a mountain or sand berm, all I looked for was an American and a shoulder flag. The camouflage and combat literally and figuratively melted everything else together. No face, no religion, no politics, just Americans. There is clarity and a physical purity in that. Today at home in the United States, I miss the battlefield. I'm going to end here. I'm not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I'm afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Elections should be constructive, not destructive. We've got a lot to learn and a lot of ground to co- a lot of ground to, to cover before we get to November. And once we're through November, there's an even greater field that we, as Americans, as human beings, as planet Earth, will have to conquer then. Thanks for the comments, everybody. Um, good to see you in there. Ellen Seidel, I haven't seen you in a long, long time. Um, yeah, good to see you pop in. All right, uh, thanks for stopping by on another perspective. Um, Ellen Seidel, her husband was actually one of my, uh, I think he was chemistry teacher in high school. Facebook brings people together. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. And uh, the one thing I want to pass along is always, always, always keep looking up.